This podcast is sponsored by Bethany House Publishers. Order Carved in Ebony through Baker Bookhouse and save 30% off plus free shipping. Visit bakerbookhouse.com to purchase. Welcome to episode three of the Carved in Ebony podcast, where we give you bite-sized lessons about the 10 incredible women from Carved in Ebony. I am the author of Carved in Ebony, Jasmine Holmes. I'm here with this snuffleupagus of a third-born child, uh, Janie Holmes, and the illustrious, the talented, the incredible, the intelligent. <laughs> I'm going to start interrupting you. The beautiful. Abina and the, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> too much <laughs> we're here we're here together we're so excited we abina are. is a historian who is currently completing her phd at vanderbilt mm-hmm. and jasmine is an illustrious since you like that word so much illustrious author <laughs> <laughs> whose books you absolutely have to read including this one this one is so exciting. It's so exciting and so special. Yes. Who are we talking yes. about today? We are talking about Sarah Maps Douglas today. Yes. Who is she? she Who is, was she? So she was the last chapter in the book, but, and the last woman that I decided that was going to be in the book, like, slot 10 was just waiting. It was waiting mm-hmm. in the wings. I was like, who is it going to be? Who is it going to be? And she won out in the end. And I think the reason why I loved her so much is because she was a Quaker woman, which like black Quaker, what? So I was like, that's interesting. And we often think about the Quakers as being at the cutting edge of abolition and Mm -hmm. the rights of black people in America, which in so many ways they were. What I love about Sarah Maps Douglas is that she grew up a Quaker. She grew up in segregated Quaker assemblies and even though these people did not own slaves, were often fighting for abolition, it wasn't good enough for her. Sarah was like, I see that. I appreciate that. But why are your services segregated? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you being consistent in all these areas? And I love that about her because so often I'm getting I'm like getting ahead of myself into the lesson. But so often we are just told like, hey, it's good enough. OK, yeah. like in the face of slavery and brutality in Southern America, like Quakers making black people sit in a different spot is not that big a deal, Sarah. Chill. Like, yeah. it's good enough. And Sarah was like, nah, man. I she love was that. a teacher. She was a writer. She started a literary society. She was friends with the Fortins, who I brought up the Fortins in the last episode. Fortins are coming around again in this episode. She was friends with James's daughters, Sarah and Margareta Fortin. She was also friends with the Grimke sisters. Mm-hmm. She was just she was just all up in that abolitionist cool people club um, <laughs> doing the thing. And I love her. I love her too. I hadn't actually interacted with Sarah Maps Douglas really until reading your manuscript. I'd come across her as one of the, I think, was she a principal for a while at the Colored Institute? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Or the Institute for Colored Youth, it might have been called. Yes, the I Institute for Colored Youth. Uh-huh. That's the way around. I always get it yeah. mixed up. So there's a, there's a woman in my dissertation that I study who attended the Institute while Sarah Mapes Douglas was there as the principal. And so that's the only kind of interaction that I had had with her, but figured since she was principal that she must have been a big deal. (laughs) But what I find 
really compelling about Sarah Mapes Douglas is even though she is elite and excellent, she's also kind of like quintessential to the Black abolitionist movement at the time. She is a picture of what abolitionists really believed in, and that was education. Education was a centerpiece of freedom, and it can be walked into, you know, respectability politics and all these kind of things. But of course, with the literal context of slavery, where people are not allowed to read, people are not allowed to learn to write, Therefore, they can't advocate for themselves. They can't speak in court. All these different things, all these different huge infrastructures, having the ability to read and write, to, you know, do arithmetic, to be a part of a a literary association and all these opportunities that existed in northern cities. Mainly, I think the main hubs were New York, Boston and Philadelphia. Those were the three major sites of Black abolitionism and free Black communities. Lots and lots of schools were opened, including the one that Sarah Mapes Douglas was a part of. Tens of schools were open in the North. And what I love about these Northern schools, because I study the South, so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm biased to Southern history. But what I love about these schools is that they became the places that first fugitives got to get an education. So people would, you know, run from the South to these cities and be embraced by these Black abolitionist communities, be housed by them, even considering the fugitive slave clause that you talk about and the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, the danger of housing enslaved people. But these communities are so, they put their money where their mouth is. Like they actually make freedom a reality for, for enslaved fugitives. And then once the Civil War comes around, we see there, there are some abolitionists that write to union union officials being like, send the contraband here, send these newly freed people to us because we have schools, we have ways, we have means to educate them and help them. And that's what happens. Um, not a lot, but there are a lot of fugitives that get to go to, to Philadelphia and are embraced by the Black abolitionist communities there. So Sarah Mapes Douglas just is captivating to me because she is so emblematic of Black abolitionism and how beautiful and rich a tradition it was. I love how multifaceted she was as a person. Mm-hmm. I love that she was a Renaissance woman. She, she went to medical school. <laughs> just like, she does gonna, not play. Yeah, she's like, I'm just going to go to medical school. I'm just going to get this, you know, get some certification over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and she... Her uh, pen names were all these obscure Greek mythology, like, which right up my alley, just like amazing. And she ended up getting married to a pastor later in her life, but it wasn't a happy marriage. It was really Mm -hmm. difficult. He had 10 children. Oh, wow. And when he died, she kind of just jumped right back into the work that she had been doing before. Um, And when she died, she had all of her correspondence burned. So oh. there, there are not a lot of letters from Sarah, but some people didn't burn their correspondence, of course. So via the Grimkeys and via the yeah. Fortins, we still have some of her correspondence. But I just That's love amazing. in her chapter, you just get to see her interaction with the Quaker church and the fact that she loved them enough to call them out was amazing. Like she didn't stop going to Quaker churches. She was like, I'm here. 
I'm invested. That, that is my favorite part of the story, honestly. And kind of moving to where we usually finish out, you know, what do you hope people think about when reading that? I think I wrote down, you know, there's a quote that you used. I, rem- I can't remember who it was who said it, but somebody who was trying to defend the segregation being like, oh, they don't want to come. Like, right? they don't want right. to come here. They prefer their style of worship. Like, right. that's why... You know, that's why things are the way they are. If I had a dime for how many pastors have told me that, like like people don't come here because they don't want to. And there isn't, you know, that, you know, they have their own churches and they don't want to be here, et cetera, et cetera. It just really made me think when we look at our church communities, do we put a lack of diversity and a kingdom aesthetic down to the people who likely don't feel welcome? there or do we actually embrace those who are different from us who are unlike us do we actually make space for them rather than being like well you can be here we're just gonna do everything the way we like to do it you know yeah it just made me think about the ways in which to be super churchy (laughs) the ways that we settle in terms Mm -hmm. of church community Mm -hmm. we make excuses for ourselves about what we do and do not do, what we have achieved and have not achieved in terms of community. And Sarah Mapes Douglas really just challenges me in that regard to be like, hey, I don't have to leave, but I'm going to call out what I actually see. I'm going to push for this and help you to understand why. I think that's it. Having this staunch understanding of who she served, you know, and who... God had made her and people like her pushed her to actually call people out. And when people love the verse, it's like, you know, God disciplines those whom he loves, you know? So what does it mean for us to move in those ways rather than just accepting things that are not okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. It reminds me of like, (laughs) if you and I were sitting on a bench and technically there's room for a third person, but like when the third person comes, we're not going to scoot over and make more room. Or just like you can sit in between us. There's there's Go ahead. room there. Go you, ahead. You want to move our stuff? You want to kind of shove us to the side and make room for yourself? There's room for three people on this bench. I don't know why you're not sitting down. <laughs> like... Exactly. That's a perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so watching her move through that, there's so many aspects of 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 Douglas that are incredible. That aspect of her of her holding the church that she loved accountable to what it said it believed. Yep. That's the one that I that I walk away with. Yeah, I love it. I think that next time we get to look at somebody else who is just as vocal as all your women are. And I am loving this journey. I really hope that everyone's enjoying it. Just getting to see how many completely forgotten, mostly forgotten and mostly unknown women were so active and did so much. Fame is meaningless. The actions are completely transformative and it's super exciting. Yeah, hopefully it's just also whetting your appetite to do some more because there's more than 10, 15, 20 minutes. So many. We can talk about each and every one. Like we could do a whole series on each and every one of them. And to do like my historian plug, the sources are there. They're there. there. You can go find them. I just, I'm considering turning my Instagram into a look what I found, you know, of just like you can. Oh my gosh, will you please? 
I just, I want to do it because, you know, I have a two email exchange with my local library and they're like, oh yeah, here, totally. We have all of this and we'll just send it to you. Don't worry about paying for it. It's fine. Like, it doesn't matter. It took two seconds. And I'm just like, it's right there. And people don't know. Feels like it's something just for the Academy and it Mm -hmm. isn't. And you're intimidated. They don't know where to look. I get that. They don't know where to, you know, but honestly like people people ask me all the time like how do i find the truth and i'm like it's in the sources and i'm like it's how do i there. know what sources right and it's like it's there man it's, it's all there. there it's not a secret exactly it's not as though there are these contesting opinions of like you know it's it's literally just that people don't have access to information and so they form opinions based on a lack of information yeah when people are especially on this topic you know considering enslavement and america's past it's really easy to get pulled in different directions by political opinion and such like and that's why i love primary sources because i'm like i can just go back and actually read what what was happening what what people were saying the different perspectives and understand the truth of the moment you know rather than a, a spun version of it so all of that to say come back next time where we'll be talking about Frances Ellen Watkins Harper, who I have fallen in love with. Right? (laughs) Come back next time to find out why. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.